Our first reading comes from the book of 1 Kings, chapter 19, verses 19 through 21. Listen for the word of the Lord. So he set out from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, who was plowing. There were twelve yoke of oxen ahead of him, and he was with the twelfth. Elijah passed him and threw his mantle over him. He left the oxen, ran after Elijah, and said, Let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow you. Then Elijah said, Go back again, for what have I done to you? He returned from following him, took the yoke of oxen, and slaughtered them. Using the equipment from the oxen, he boiled their flesh and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he set out and followed Elijah and became his servant. This is the word of the Lord. Our second reading is from the book of Acts, chapter 13, verses 1 through 14. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who is called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaean, a member of the court of Herod and ruler, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for their work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands upon them and sent them off. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had John also to assist them. When they'd gone on through the whole island as far as Paphos, they met a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. He was with the proconsul, Sergiopolis, an intelligent man who summoned Barnabas and Saul and wanted to hear the word of God. But the magician, Elimus, for that is the transition of his name, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul, also known as Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, You son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of deceit and villainy, you will not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord. And now listen, the hand of the Lord is against you and you will be blind for a while, unable to see the sun. Immediately mist and darkness came over him and he went about groping for someone to lead him by the hand. When the proconsul saw what had happened, he believed, for he was astonished at the teaching about the Lord. Then Paul and his companions set sail from Paphos and came to Perga and Pamphylia. John, however, left them and returned to Jerusalem. But they went on from Perga and came to Antioch and Pisidia. And on that Sabbath day, they went into the synagogue and sat down. This ends the reading of God's holy word. May God add many blessings to the hearing of it. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we have come into your house and gathered in your name to worship you. Enable us to hear your call in our lives. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts here together be found pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Our Lord, our rock, our Redeemer. Amen. Friends, today we're continuing our summer sermon series about heroes of the Bible and comparing them to superheroes and what elements we can embody 
to become heroic, to become a hero of biblical proportions. And today's sermon is entitled, No Lone Ranger. And I did that kind of tongue-in-cheek because it's got two meanings. It applies to the sermon, but I always thought it was funny that the Lone Ranger was called the Lone Ranger because he was not alone. He had Tonto with him in every episode. He wasn't the Lone Ranger. It was the Lone Ranger and Tonto. You aren't alone if you're with somebody. And so I always found that ironic. This summer, earlier this summer, a movie came out that I just had to see. Speaking of Lone Ranger, this one was called Solo. In case you don't know, it's about Han Solo. And you might have heard about a little movie that I kind of enjoy, Star Wars. I've mentioned it once or twice. And this was taking Han Solo, the famous scoundrel, and setting off kind of an origin story for him. Now, if you know anything about Star Wars, you know anything about Han Solo you know that Solo, again, doesn't fit him, that he's not alone. Because he's always got his trusty sidekick, Chewbacca. And Solo, in the very begin- or towards the beginning of the movie, shows how they meet, how they become friends, how they begin to work together. And I bring up Han Solo and the Lone Ranger, because today's sermon is about how, as heroes, we need sidekicks. We need people to work alongside us, to help us out. In today's scripture, I lifted up one passage from the Old Testament, one about the New Testament, about sidekicks. Elijah is considered by uh, most of the Jewish faith to be the greatest of all the prophets. When people asked who Jesus was, some said he is the re-embodiment of Elijah. That's Elijah come again. That's how much Elijah meant to the Jewish people, but he could not do it by himself. He comes across a young man working the fields, driving a dozen oxen, and he calls him to be his apprentice, to be his helper, to be his psychic, and together they traveled through the lands for six years, working as prophets with one another. Paul is the man who's responsible for writing the most of the New Testament. He traveled throughout the Middle East, starting churches in places like Corinth. But he didn't do it by himself. Today's passage travels from one Antioch to another Antioch with a lot of stops in between. And the scripture says that the Spirit set aside Paul and Barnabas to work together. That Barnabas was Paul's right-hand man. They were together throughout the lands, confronting magicians, confronting false prophets, starting churches. But to say you need a sidekick isn't completely accurate. I think a sidekick is representative of something more. It's representative of a community. As I was thinking about heroes and superheroes and sidekicks, I thought, well, most of the big superheroes don't have permanent sidekicks. You have Superman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, The Flash. No sidekicks. You have Iron Man, The Incredible Hulk, Black Panther. Again, no regular sidekicks. 
But if you follow superhero movies at all, the game in superhero movies tends to be taking these lone individuals and building them into a community. Building them into the Justice League, or if you like good superhero movies, the Avengers. (laughs) Where these superheroes come together and form a community realizing that they can't defeat whatever challenge it is on their own. They need somebody to lean on. They need people to work beside them to help them. And so they come together into a community. And if we want to be heroes of faith, if we want to follow the heroes of the scriptures, we need to follow the superheroes' leads and lean on our community. After all, we were created to be in community with one another. We worship the triune God, the God that's the Trinity, the God that is Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Sustainer, Redeemer, Creator. We worship a God who is in relationship, who is in community with Himself. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit permanently together, yet individuals. A divine community. And this is the God in whose image we were created. We were created to live in community. I don't think it's any accident that when Christ first entered into public ministry, he was baptized, sent into the wilderness for 40 days, came out and immediately started calling disciples. Started gathering people to be his people. To be his community. To help him along the way. There's an old sermon illustration that I've heard dozens of times, but it's no less powerful. About a man who after a tragedy decided that he couldn't be around the church. That he'd rather worship God on his own, at his own house. The pastor went and visited him and they sat before the fire and talked throughout the evening. As they talked, the fire began to go out. And as they talked, the pastor saw a coal fall out of the fireplace and begin to grow cold. The pastor, without saying anything, went and took the tongs, picked up the coal, put it back into the fireplace where it began to burn brightly again. The man was back in church the next Sunday. Now this is obviously an urban legend of liturgical type or a, a sermon illustration, but it makes a valid point that to be our best in our faith, we need to be surrounded by others that worship as we do, that follow Christ as we do. We need others to lift us up when we stumble. And that's what a, the church is about The church is a community, a family built on the love of God, on following Christ, on trying to be the people and the body of Christ that God calls us to be. We're called to be in community with each other. We're called to lift each other up, to help each other when we stumble. I've shared with you that the adoption process was a difficult one for Heather and I. It took several years that we had several adoptions fall through. At times it was devastating. 
I remember one particular adoption fall, fell through. We were weeks away from the birth. We began to put together the nursery, and then the birth parents disappeared. And I entered into a state of depression, and I struggled, and I had a crisis of faith. And I didn't know it, but dear friends from the church saw this and prayed for me. And I remember later, after Hannah was born, one individual, Jeff Luna, said to me, he said, I know that you didn't always have faith. But when you didn't have faith, I had enough for the both of us. Think about what a powerful statement that is. Think about how much that could lift you up. Knowing that when you struggle in your walk with Christ, when you have doubts, when you don't have faith, you have brothers and sisters who have enough faith for both of you. Who are there to help you. To lift you up. To walk beside you. If we truly want to be heroes of faith, Heroes in Christ's eyes. We need to lean on those people. But there's a word of warning. Those people come into our lives and those people leave our lives. If we go on reading the story of Elijah and Elisha, after six years, Elijah is taken up into the heavens, leaving Elisha by himself. If we continue reading about Paul and Barnabas, a year... Uh, just in the same chapter later on, they have a huge fight and go their separate ways. People come and people go. When you think of hero sidekicks, you might be surprised I haven't mentioned Batman and Robin yet. It's the most famous sidekicks, Batman and the Boy Wonder. Now, do you know what Robin's real name is? Alex, what's Robin's real name? Which one? That's the answer I was looking for. There have been at least five different Robins. There was Tim Drake, there was Dick Grayson, there was, um, I wrote them all down, because I, I, uh, Jason Todd, Stephanie Brown, and Damon Wayne. Five different people have filled the role of Robin. They were Robin for a while, and then they left and went their own way. People come and go. If you've been a member of a church for any amount of times, you've seen new members come, you've seen people move on for various reasons or pass on to the church triumphant. That's why it's important that we have a community, not just one person. That's why it's important that we belong to the body of Christ, a living body that continues to grow and shrink, add members and lose members. Because then we always have someone who's there for us. We always have someone who is walking beside us. We always have someone who we can have faith for when their faith wavers and who can have faith for us when we don't have faith for ourselves. That is why we worship a God who is the divine community. That's why we are created to be in community with one another. That's why we serve each other, worship together, And come together as the body of Christ. Amen.